0: This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, episode 285. Recovering from a $50 million loss with real estate luminary, Rod Khalif. wait a minute you didn't know we had a youtube channel that's right we put content that we don't put anywhere else on youtube and you need to see it to believe it so be sure to follow like and subscribe our channel so you won't miss a thing hey everybody welcome to this week's episode you know i don't know if you're having a great week or a bad week right now Uh, i don't want to presume either way but i can just about guess that you did not lose $50 million this week. That's just my, I'm going to go out on a limb and just guess that. Uh, But our guest today has actually gone through that experience and I thought, boy, we need to get him on our show and talk about what that felt like and how do you get back up again when you've been knocked in the gut that hard? So who is our guest today? Rod Khalif. He is a multiple business owner and philanthropist who is passionate about business, high performance, real estate, and giving back. As one of the country's top real estate and peak performance luminaries, he's also owned over 2,000 properties. Rod Khalif soared from humble beginnings as a young, impoverished Dutch immigrant to incredible success. Rod's experience involves both remarkable triumphs and Spectacular Failures, which he affectionately calls his Seminars for Life. Rod will explain the mindset required to recover from a $50 million loss in the crash of 2008 to the success that Rod enjoys today. Rod brings incredible authenticity and insight to his approach to real estate mindset, success, and life. Rod founded the Tiny Hands Foundation, which has benefited more than 130,000 children in need. I was just blown away by Rod's professionalism, his heart, and his capacity to show us how to be successful in any circumstance. Thank you, Rod, for coming on and take it away.
1: Rod Philippe, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mark. Let's have some fun today,
0: brother. Awesome. Right on. Well, I hate to be starting us off on such a bad foot here, but you have a story that involves losing $50 million. Now, yeah. maybe you were on a, on a roller coaster and you went upside down and it just came out of your pockets. I don't know. So tell us, how does one
1: lose like well, in you, the laundromat? You really or have where to work at it. Yeah, you really have to work at it, Mark. Let me just say that. Now, Now, let me, let me tell you a little bit of my, about my story because I think it will lend framework to that experience. So I'm an immigrant. I'm a Dutch immigrant born in the Netherlands, uh, Holland, you know, wooden shoes, windmills. Uh, immigrated when I was six years old in 1966 with my mother, Zvancha, my brother, Albert, and uh, ended up in Denver, Colorado. Um, didn't have much. In fact, grew up uh, pretty poor. Uh, I remember some of the memories I have was we shopped at an expired food store because it was cheaper than real food, obviously. And, you know, and believe it or not, they had that back then. They had a, they had a, uh, and we also had powdered milk with our cereal in the morning, uh, which sounds much better than it is, trust me. But it was cheaper than real milk. I actually wore clothes from the Goodwill and the Salvation Army all the way through junior high school. Till finally, I got disgusted when I was fourteen. Lied about my age at Burger King so I could flip burgers and buy my own clothes and stuff. And you know, and you may have listeners that had it harder than I did, or maybe even now. I'm they're talking about what did I read the last uh, yesterday's uh, news. I think eight hundred thousand layoffs are expected, and we've, we've certainly seen a lot in the tech industry recently. But uh, you know, back then I knew I wanted more, and luckily my mom had an incredible work ethic. So um, she babysat kids, so we'd have enough money to eat, and uh, we always had a house full of kids. But she was also a bit of an entrepreneur. No formal education, but she invested in the stock market successfully in IPOs. She also invested in real estate, and her first real estate acquisition was uh, when I was 14. She bought the house across the street from us for about $30,000 from a family named the Jewels. And then when I was 17. She told me she'd made twenty thousand dollars in her sleep that had gone up in value twenty thousand, and this was when twenty thousand was a lot of money. And I said, "What? You made twenty grand and you didn't do anything? Screw college, I'm getting into real estate, mom." So I went and got studied for my real estate license, and I actually got my broker's license right before I turned eighteen, or right when I turned eighteen, I could legally be a broker. Which you know, I could have my own office. I mean, they got smart now; you need some experience before you can be a broker. But I could have my own office if I wanted. I was smart enough to go work for another broker but uh i was still living at home and my first year in real estate i made about $8,000 my second year maybe $10,000, 12000 but my third year i made over $100,000 which back in 1980 again was pretty decent money and so what happened between year 2 and year 3 that caused me to 10x my income well what happened was i the guy i was working for this broker um i was actually dating his daughter um and uh He uh, taught me about mindset. He taught me about the importance of mindset and psychology, and how really eighty to ninety percent of your success in anything is just that. You know, it's it's the mindset. Only ten to twenty percent is the technical stuff we talk about on our podcast. Mark, as you know, and and because you got to take action with what you learn. You know, you got to push through fear. You got to push through limiting beliefs. You got to go make it happen. Um, And so, uh, you know, he started me on that pathway, and. You know, fast forward to today, I've owned over 2,000 houses that I've rented long term. I own thousands of apartment units now. In 2006, my net worth went up $17 million while I slept. And you might say, wow. And I said, wow. And I got a head so big, I could barely fit it through a door. I thought I was a real estate god. And, you know, sometimes when that happens, God or the universe, whatever you believe, will give you a nice little smack. Well, like you said, that was 2008 and nine. I lost $50 million conservatively uh, through that crash. And so, you know, what I'm known for talking about is the mindset it took to have 50 million to lose in the first place. And then maybe as importantly, maybe more importantly, the mindset it took to recover from losing that kind of money. And, um, and so happy to drill down on that with you, if you like a little, Mark. I would, but I, at first, I'd like you to maybe just also tell us what do you do
0: today? What what is your
1: uh, well? Your so so like today? I host the largest I host the largest commercial real estate podcast in the world. And this is not ego. This is just factual. Uh, and uh, you know we are, we're over fifteen million downloads. I host the largest multifamily Facebook group in the world. I think it's almost fifty thousand people in that. My social reach is pretty extraordinary, um, and. Um, you know, it's funny when I, when I lost everything, I started the podcast because I just wanted to help people. I just wanted to say, Hey, if you're going to buy and hold real estate for God's sakes, do multifamily, don't do single family because it was, it was single family that pulled me down and I could drill down on that if you want, but, yep. but I wanted to give that message out there. And I used to say on my early episodes of my podcast, I'll never sell you anything. I just want to add value. It was the truth. Now I'm a liar because I, I actually, you know, sell courses and coaching and boot camp. I just had 930 people in a boot camp this last weekend. I'm just mm-hmm. literally today starting to feel better. I'm finally recovered, thank goodness, but because but, uh, it's all me for you know 16, 18 hours. but, wow. but anyway, so, so yeah, so I teach people how to buy multifamily, and something I'm really proud of is my students now I've been teaching about five years. My students now own upwards of one hundred and forty thousand units that we know of, so I'm very, very proud of that. But my podcast is called Lifetime Cash Flow through Real Estate Investing. Also, very proud of that. Never thought I would enjoy it. Now I absolutely freaking love it. But but that's what I do. I teach. I teach multifamily. I buy multifamily, um, and um, and you know I'm I'm a bit of a thought leader in that space. Pretty, fairly well known yeah.
0: in that. I'd say you've earned that title and a lot more. Thank so you. let's go into Thank it. So you're you're building that initial portfolio of real estate mm-hmm. as we're climbing the the first. Well, the real estate bubble of 2007 and eight, and so on. Mm-hmm. What was that like? And well, then what was your, yeah, uh huh. Well, let me that, just say this yeah. there
1: are a lot of parallels right now, my right. friend. And I, and I absolutely believe the soup is about to hit the pan. I believe it already has because this smells like 2006 and seven. Tell us more. So I'm just going to tell you. And so, you know, obviously, I thought I was set for life. I had 800 houses um, uh, and I had multiple apartment complexes in 2006 and seven. And, and, uh, And it was the houses that pulled me down. Here's why real quick. Let me just, because people always ask, because, or or, or they give me, I get hate online. Well, you were over leveraged. No, I was at a 30% loan to value. I only Mm. owed 30 cents on the dollar and I still crashed and burned. Here's why, because it's all about cash flow. In fact, I wrote a best, number one bestseller and I'm not trying to sell it because I give it away for free, but, but, it, the the it's called How to Create Lifetime Cash Flow for Multifamily Properties, but the subtitle is The New Rules of Real Estate Investing. And i.e. the new rules is it's all about cash flow. Don't yeah. tell me how how much someone paid for this property three years ago and what you can get it for now. It's irrelevant. It's all about cash flow. But anyway, and by the way, if if you want this, it's free on well, you pay for the shipping, but it's on my website, uh, my link tree, rodslinks.com. And there's a lot of other free stuff there, lots of free books. I, I awesome. Thank you tons for that. Of, tons of cool stuff. We'll put that in, stuff.
0: Yeah. We'll put that in, in the in the show notes as well. So yeah, yeah you, so, you were saying cash flow. Yeah, so why, properties. why why
1: why would I lose? Why'd I lose? So my eight hundred houses were in Florida along the Gulf Coast, the Gulf Coast of Florida, two hours north of me, two hours south of me, everywhere in between. Okay. I was too dispersed, number one. But but um Florida has no state income tax. So our property taxes are proportionally higher, which impacts what? Cash flow. I had properties in wind and flood zones, higher insurance, which impacts what? Cash flow. But what killed me is if I sent a maintenance guy, uh, uh, well, let me say this. These houses were all C class. You know, there's A, B, C, and D class. A is brand new, D is the hood, right? These were C, older, tougher demographic, lots of maintenance. Okay. They're tougher on it, they're older. So there's lots of maintenance. And so if I sent a maintenance guy to one of my apartment complexes, everything's the same. You know, we can stockpile parts and you know, the, the, they're in and out in an hour because the parts are all there. Well, if I had to send someone to one of my houses and it's an hour, hour and a half one way, they got to go there, see what's wrong. Everything in a house is different. It's no way to standardize. It costs too much money. Uh, it, you know, when I'm talking about HVAC and appliances and hot water heaters and windows and doors and stuff like that, it's just not cost effective. So, you know, we'd have to go see what's wrong. Go find a Home Depot or a Lowe's where we, where they, where we have an account and I don't know about you, Mark, but when Rod tries to pick something, he ends up going to Home Depot more than once regularly. Right. And that's the same thing happens with maintenance guys. What effectively what took an hour at one of my apartment complexes took all day at one of my eight hundred houses. Mm, so that yeah. killed my cash flow. But then, you know, everybody back in two thousand six thought the gravy train was going to last forever. Which uh, hopefully that's uh, that uh, sounds a little familiar to to those of you that know the real estate market and what's happening right now. But uh, you know, what I didn't pay attention to back then was my tenant demographics. If they had good credit, they had a job, they, you know, they had money and paid a deposit. I let them rent. Mm-hmm. What I discovered after the fact was a big chunk of my renters were contractors, jobbers, plumbers, electricians, drywallers, painters, roofers, you know, HVAC people, which fell off a freaking cliff in 2008 and 2009. They didn't that's, work. That's interesting so it was insight. like the perfect yeah. storm. And now you want to know something really interesting is my portfolio apps actually went upside down. Um, it, it dropped more than 70% here in Florida. So at that point I was done. I, I put a fork in me, I'm done. So anyway, so that's what happened. Um, and I don't know if I answered your yeah. question. No, what, well,
0: what was okay. that like? Well, what was it like to, <laughs> well, it, to, get, let, to get to 50 excuse the expression?
1: It sucked. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was no fun at all. I thought I was set for life. Right. I mean, I thought I was golden and, and you know, and, I thought eighty million baby boomers getting old and cold. I thought that was my line. I thought Florida was recession proof, and mm. you know, mm. and obviously it was ground zero for for you know here and and uh, Las Vegas and and Phoenix and California. They all got crushed, and and I have to tell you, it feels very very similar right now. It's different circumstances. I mean, back then it was it was you know if you could fog a mirror you could buy a house. That's not the case now. But there's a lot of crazies. I mean, don't get me started on inflation and you know and then this administration passes another almost 2 trillion dollars which caused the inflation uh, don't get me started right. we won't go down, we won't go down that rabbit hole but the but but the point is you know i don't think the fed is is going to be able to rail it in very easily and you know i don't know if you saw elon musk's quote he said he he did a quote and you know he's not a stupid guy and he said that if they don't s- start lowering interest rates the se- recession is going to be severe well, mm-hmm. the Fed has already said they're not lowering interest rates. They're going to continue to expand into next year. And, you know, uh, Jamie Dimon, head of Chase, said that the recession is likely to be severe. Right. Um, you know, Trump says it could be really bad, love him or hate him. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, um, you know, a lot of really smart people are saying it could be real. Of course, Kiyosaki, Robert Kiyosaki, author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, has been talking about this one for years, if this is the big one. Yeah. So, you know, listen, l- let me just say this, though. It's not a time to be afraid. Okay, It's a time to frankly get excited because we could be facing the greatest transfer of wealth we see in our lifetimes. It's possible. Maybe not, but it's possible. I can tell Mm -hmm. you in my space, in the commercial real estate space, there is going to be some pain. Here's why. There's a lot of what's called bridge debt done the last few years. Okay, Bridge debt is like in the single family space, it's like the hard money lenders of the single family space. It's very onerous debt short term, adjustable rate interest. And a lot of these new operators, so they could get higher loan to value when they purchased and have less money out of pocket that they had to raise, used this bridge debt, which is not what it was made for. It was really made to bridge the gap between a non-performing property and a performing property, but they used it to get the higher loan to value and they are in trouble. Mm. Okay, There's a bunch of them in trouble. In fact, I we were looking at an asset in San Antonio where the guy's uh, reserve payment to his bridge lender went from 8,000 a month to 80,000 a month. Okay. Wow. In one month. And, you know, and I, another guy that his interest rate went from three percent to six percent. And when you're talking million dollar properties, that is a big deal. And right. so we're going to see some pain for sure, even if it's a mild recession in my space. So great opportunity. But I, I'll tell you, I personally believe it's going to be more widespread, certainly in the single family space. We're already seeing 30% reductions in pricing. So, you know, everything's going on sale. And so what does that mean? Getting cash, get in as much cash as you can. I'm in a lot of liquidity right now, but here's the other thing that's kind of exciting is you know these assets that multifamily take money, but it doesn't have to be your own money. You know mm-hmm. you can raise money for these deals. You just have to, you know um, convince these investors that, uh, that not to be fearful right now, you know if you're going to invest passively, you know, we, we deal with a lot of passive investors, and now is not the time to close up shop and put the padlock on on your money. It's the time to get it out there and invest it. If nothing right. else to hedge inflation, you know, I hate the fact that I'm in a lot of cash right now because it's killing me to be in the bank. But I know that cash is king when this happens and and the ability to move quickly. I'm actually setting up a an opportunity fund, a distressed asset fund, actually meeting with the attorney today uh, to set that up and raise money and be ready to, you know, to pounce on some of these deals. Because, you know, when this happens, exponential money is made. Okay. Yeah. this In downturns is when the big money is made. So again, don't be fearful. You know, I, here, here's what I would say to you, because I know you've got business owners and all sorts of other sorts of people that listen to you. Pick your vehicle. Pick it right now. Maybe it's buying businesses. There are going to be phenomenal opportunities to buy businesses as well. So my point to you is, you know, if it's buying businesses, if it's doing single family, which I don't suggest, but if it is, fine. If it's trading the stock market, if it's doing other asset classes in real estate, self-storage, mobile homes, whatever, learn it right now. Don't wait mm-hmm. because if we once we're in the thick of it it's going to be too late. You need to get up to speed immediately.
0: Oh, it's you know, it's it's, mo- uh, it's so true. You're exactly right. There's uh there's no never been a better time to get ready to mm-hmm. invest in yourself, to through your education courses that you offer Rod. Uh, I know we're yep. going to talk about that some. Part of the part of the strategy that we specialize in and talk about quite a bit on our podcast uses a little known variation of whole life insurance. Uh, We Mm. call it bank on yourself. And it's a cash position to wait in between deals. So many of our real estate investors already know, um, but I'll share for our listeners who don't know. Yeah, you can use a high cash value whole life insurance policy as a receptacle for cash as you wait for the deals to come across your desk. And in fact, we've had some folks. In fact, this is kind of funny, Ron. We have had some folks who have opened up bridge loan businesses uh, and use their policies as capital for lending. And then they're mm. getting that you know that interest rate. They're getting that yield and and getting it in ninety days or you know six months or whatever, uh, as we wait for these bigger opportunities that, as you say, through distressed properties or whatever. But it's the people who are sitting on the opportunity fund, the contingency cash, who are going to make the fortunes. it's It's in these yeah. moments that the fortunes can be made. so here's here's my question. Um, how did you overcome the fear and the little voice in your head? To say, all right, I lost 50 million bucks, I'm yeah. done, put a fork yeah. in me, you know, and, and maybe yeah, just go back I, to flipping burgers. I, I, I
1: don't know if I have enough time to get into all the, all the strategy that I use, but the big one is just getting really clear on what it is that I wanted again. You know, like Napoleon Hill says in his book, Think and Grow Rich, you've got to have a burning desire. That's how you push through fear. That's how you push through limiting beliefs. Or maybe you're comfortable. And, you know, Mark, we know the comfort zone's a nice, warm place. We also know nothing freaking grows there, right? So right. you got to push past comfort. You know, that that incredible life of your dreams is just on the other side of comfort. Now, if you need to get, so here's something that's super important. We are heading into some pain. And if you're listening to this show or watching the show, you are a leader. And right now, more than ever, the world needs leaders, okay? And, and what's super important right now is that you manage your focus. Don't get me started on the crap that's on the news. Stay off the news. Just, you know, stay on, in tune, but don't get sucked into it because most of it's just complete BS anyway. Forget, sorry about the acronyms here, but the point is, you know, it, it, it is. And, and, mm-hmm. and it's almost like you don't even know what to believe anymore. But, but whatever you focus on gets larger, both positive or negative. So bring in the good stuff.
0: You're exactly right. Uh, I've, I've been really thinking quite a bit about the phrase, pay attention and appreciation. So pay attention. We, people pay attention when they pay which is, I think, a good reason why you don't just give your stuff away for free, by the way. Mm -hmm. They'll pay more attention when they've paid. And when we focus on something, it grows, you said. I love that. I think that's- Both positive or negative. Both positive positive or negative. negative. You know, They asked Mother
1: Teresa if she was anti-war, and she said, no, I'm pro-peace.
0: That's good. Right? I'll I'll give you this. This could be one of your five-minute- Think about the word appreciation. How do you use that in your mindset? Well- you know, you can be gre- grateful. You can appreciate. How does it work in real estate? It appreciates. So, isn't there an interesting relationship between appreciation? What we focus on gets bigger if we are grateful for it, if we appreciate it. What about your intelligence? What about your relationships? What about your physical fitness? What about your spiritual life? What about your investment portfolio? You are your greatest asset if you pay attention to it. I just read about a guy yesterday. He, he, helped found eBay. Now he spends $2 million a year on physical fitness. And he has the lung, he's 45 years old, but he has the the lungs and heart of an 18 year old, according to several doctors. That's mm-hmm. appreciation right there. You're paying attention to it. It's going to improve. So anyway, just you know yeah, no, I, on actually, to what you're saying. Yeah, I there.
1: actually did an own your power clip on appreciation. I didn't I didn't I didn't bridge it over into real estate appreciation. It was all about really gratitude because gratitude is the most foundationally important emotion that we have. It's how you manifest everything. It strengthens your immune system, makes your heartbeat stronger, lowers your blood pressure, brings you closer to your spirituality. It's the most powerful emotion we have. It's how you manifest the things you want in life. Like every morning, I will sit in this recliner behind this green screen here. You can see there. And, and I will just do gratitude. I'll do gratitude you know, for my supermodel, beautiful wife, who's more beautiful on the inside than the outside, my, my kids, my, my foundation, my coaching students. And then I'll do gratitude for the things that I want as if I already have them. And I want to tell you, sometimes I'll be emotional being grateful for things I don't even have yet. And mm-hmm. I know I lost some of you analytical ones on that comment, but I'm here to tell you this is how I had 50 million to lose and how I got it back. So ignore it or poo-poo it at your peril, okay, because it yeah. works. And you could call it prayer if you like, but but that's just how you bring things into life is is through gratitude. I'm really glad you brought that up, Mark. Uh,
0: well, tell us some other um habits routines tactics sure 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 well focus to, we to... talked
1: about focus okay it's super important but really the bottom line is once you clear on your goals and what you want you gotta gotta make a decision all right and and sometimes that could be the most important decision of your life And now now i'm not talking about dipping your toe in the water you know if you're thinking about doing a side hustle like i described some 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 examples of that earlier Getting getting up to speed on something immediately but you got to decide. I mean, you're to- it, like, uh, I guess, a great example of a decision would be if you're going to attack the island, you burn mm-hmm. your ships because you're taking their ships home. I mean, it is freaking done. That's a decision. So that's number one. Number two is you got to take the first step. You know, like Dr. Martin Luther King said, you take that first step in faith; the next step will be revealed. Now, mm-hmm. Mark, I know you have a lot of analytical people on your podcast here, and, and I do as well because that they, they seem to be incredibly successful in in my space. But very often, an analytical, analytical person has to check off every single box before they make a move. Mm-hmm. You can't do that and yeah. get anything done. Okay, here's the analogy I want you to remember. You can drive all the way across the United States at, at night with your headlight only seeing 50 feet in front of you, and you know you'll make it because other people have done it. You may have some obstacles, you know, a flat tire, what things could happen. It's the same way with your goals. It's the same way with going after a side hustle. But you gotta take that first step. you mm, cannot get yeah. sucked into into analysis paralysis because then it'll never happen. so that's the next piece you know and then and then really um you know I mean I could keep going here i i i i I do a whole one hour presentation on habits for success, but uh let me mention one other thing I told you we talked about it before we started recording um you know, you you want you said you have a lot of business owners that need strategies for building their businesses. And I just finished a course called Crushing It in Social Media. It's on my website for twelve ninety-five. What I'm gonna do is if if your peeps want it, if you go to rodcleef.com forward slash creating reach, I'll let you guys have it for four ninety five. Okay. And if you don't wow, love it, thank you. I don't mean like it. If you don't love it, let me know and I'll give you your money back and you can keep it, honestly. That's well, how, Ron, you've, how I feel you've about done. it. You've done that's very generous of you for our yeah. audience. And we'll give that link while oh, time. by the way, let me mention the code. Yeah. Uh so so rodcleef.com forward slash creating reach and and not your average is the code. Okay. And I know that's awesome. a lot to remember, so you might have to check the show notes, but it's I'm really proud of it. You know, I, I've killed it pretty much in social media, so so I, I mean, sure. There's going to be more things you could Fantastic. learn, but it, I, I'm really impressed with what we did. Proud of what we did. Let me just say that. Well, it's not
0: too long of a URL if we're saving that much on the course. I mean, uh, that Thanks. is very generous
1: of you. Thank you, Rod. And
0: and mm-hmm. what you're doing in that course, if I understand correctly, is you're helping us understand how you got to the the place where you are right now in social yep. media. Where you yep. know your notes here say 15 million plus podcast downloads, 520 thousand YouTube video views. Uh, 115,000 uh, email subscribers, any yeah. business owner would kill to have that kind of a reach. Yeah. And here you are doing it. You're crushing it. So well, but, so, so
1: let, let me say this. Even if you, if you don't go get the course, here's two really important points to remember if you're going to try to build any social reach. There's just two really important points. Number one is you have to be consistent. Okay, if you're going to do it, you're going to do it long-term and you're going to do it consistently, you know, weekly, daily, monthly, whatever. That's number one. Number two is you have to add value. You have to educate, you know, if you put crap out there, frankly, you're going to be crap. Okay. You, you got to add value. Now, the beautiful thing is, you know, one of the ways you can do it is you can, you can be a host and interview experts like you're doing here, Mark, and, 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 and you are an expert, but even if you're not, you can bring in experts and you're perceived as an expert just by being the host. So you can do that on Facebook, you know, or, or, or on a podcast or or on a meetup group or just any. You know, way that you bring in people and interview them. So that's one thing you can do if you're learning a particular craft, but uh, mm-hmm. but those two things are important. Add value that's and be great. consistent. Those are the most important.
0: Well, there's so much more in your course. So I want everyone to go check that out. And again, that's uh, dot com forward slash creating reach. And mm-hmm. then the code is not your average. And again, we'll yep. put all that in the show notes. Uh, what's one hidden pitfall that most people need to know about when they're building a, a business or real estate? And this can be, you know, practical mm-hmm. or it could be mm-hmm. mindset. Mm-hmm. What's the mm-hmm. hidden pitfall that you have found that you can help us avoid?
1: Being focused on your product or service instead of being focused on your client or customer. That's huge. okay. The most successful guy on the planet, Jeff Bezos, is completely focused on the experience of his customers at Amazon. And uh, and you know and 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 the head, I got to meet Tony Shea, the head of Zappos. Um, uh, he passed, but but before he passed and and. Uh, and unbelievable client focused, uh, rave, they have raving fan clients. So I, I would just tell you that be focused on the on the pain points and the needs and the desires of your customer or client.
0: Love that. That's a great answer. You've maybe you. read this book or heard of this book. Oh yeah, it's fantastic called... book. Yeah. yeah. Keith Cunningham says that same thing. You gotta be I just saw him
1: speak with... last week, brother. I just oh, did literally you really? just saw oh, cool. him speak. Yeah. No, I I've gone to his courses. I'm a I am I spent 20 years following Tony Robbins around the planet. I was just at his business mastery at Tony's studio in West Palm Beach. Uh yeah. Uh, Keith, Keith's a great guy. Yeah.
0: How do you get so Keith says get up more obsessed with your client than your product? Mm-hmm. And I that's mm-hmm. kind of what you just said, too. Have unbelievable mm-hmm. client focus, whether it's mm-hmm. uh Tony Shea or you know, Jeff mm-hmm. Bezos or whoever. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? How do you learn sure. your, Good your audience?
1: Well, you've got to you've got to survey your audience. Bottom line, I, and I did, like we just sent a survey to our warriors, my coaching students, and said, "Hey, what's great? But more importantly, what's not great? What yeah. can we do to improve?" And we got some great strategies. Really, kind of some duhs, like, oh, duh, why didn't we think of that thing? You know, and so you really got to, you know, you've got to interview and question. And and continually do it. I, and I will tell you, we I, I I'll be honest. We we should have done it more regularly, but but we're all over it now. And and you know, and and again, I got a shot in the arm because I went to that Tony event, um, you know, Tony Robbins event where Keith was speaking about this actually. And uh, and and just so you know, I've been to that event seven times. Okay, mm-hmm. learners are earners. Okay, yeah. I continually want to be a better person and a better business person and a better husband and a better father and a better human being. So I'm always working on Rod. And I hope you like. I'm going to. See going to Grant Cardone's growth con in two weeks. So, you know, I'm not really into the hype, but there'll be some great speakers there and I know I'll get juiced and it'll help. Yeah. So, you know, I believe in that stuff. And and uh, but anyway, I don't well, know if I answered your question. No,
0: that's great. I, I think it's okay. what you're saying is, you know, you've found your greatest investment and it's in between your ears. And mm-hmm. you've built you've built what you've done and you've gotten back up again when life kicked you over. You chose to get back up again. And how few people can do that? Uh, and, and I'd say the definite. Well, Ross Perot says it best. He says the definition of, of an entrepreneur is someone who is grateful for the progress that has been made, and simultaneously dissatisfied with the rate they are making it. I see that in you. I see that as a you know picture of what mindset can be. We've got the growth mindset, uh, well, and, and and not being afraid of
1: failure. We fail. Yeah. We fail our way to success. Okay, uh, you know I built right. twenty seven businesses in my forty five year career. I don't call them failures. I call them seminars when they don't make it, okay? Now, several have been worth tens of millions of dollars. I have two that are right now. But most of those 27 businesses are spectacular, flaming seminars, okay? (laughs) And we, like I said, we fail our way to success. I got to meet the billionaire owner of Spanx, uh, Sarah Blakely, you know, the woman's Mm -hmm. undergarments that hold it all together. And she started with $5,000, and she's in Forbes now. She's a billionaire. And she told me at a mastermind that, that we were both at that her dad used to ask her and her brother on a weekly basis, almost, what have you failed at this week? That's great. And I thought, what mm-hmm. an awesome freaking question to ask your kids so they don't fear yeah. failure. You know, you know I'm going to tell you fear regret, don't fear failure. We don't want regret. There was mm. this nurse in Australia named Bronnie Ware, a hospice nurse. So she, she took care of patients when they were about to die. And she asked him a question. She says, Do you have any regrets? And, and she wrote a book about it. It's called The Five Regrets of Dying. You know what the number one regret was? Not living the life I could have lived, living someone else's life, not doing what I know I'm capable of. I can't hmm. think of anything worse than that. Yeah. So you know, fear of regret. Don't fear
0: failure. Fantastic. All right. Well, that that is a great one. And speaking of fear, what
1: are you afraid of
0: right now, Ron? Me? I- and yeah, I- um, you can answer that any way you, you want. Know, maybe
1: getting uh, old. You know, okay. I'm sixty three, <laughs> and and and. And you know, my wife is twenty three years younger than I am, and she's a beautiful old soul. Dude, you're a spring chicken, man. Yeah, you're a spring Uh, chicken. Right. So, so you know, things start to hurt. I had to have cortisone shots in my shoulders last week, which was stupid because it was right before the event, and I didn't sleep the night before the event, which (laughs) was brutal. But I didn't realize it was going to not let me sleep. Well, you know, the reason
0: reason why I'm asking, what are you afraid of? I've been asking myself that question lately, Mm -hmm. because I believe that fear can sometimes lead us to what we need to do next. So you don't have to necessarily disclose anything that you don't want to. But, you know, you're you're at a point in your real estate work where you're very successful. You've built a very successful business. You're serving people and hundreds of thousands of people are sheltered, at least by your efforts and by your work, that's quite an accomplishment. And thank you for thank your you. work. So you. when I ask, what are you afraid of? I'm asking, what
1: are you going to do next? Um, listen, uh, that's a really good question. And that's one I've been thinking about as well, because you, know, I, you can see on the wall behind me, there's some of the hundreds of thank you cards yeah. from students. You can't even awesome. see them all. Yeah. I mean, literally I have hundreds on my wall from people whose lives have been impacted by my work. And again, that's not ego. That just makes me feel good. You know, I, I, I I love what it is that I love what it is that I do. So I'm not sure I would change much of anything. And I want to step back and have more of a lifestyle where I'm starting to travel a lot more, going to Belize next week, uh, you know, then, uh, going to Japan in March and going to Curacao between there as well. So like three trips, I mean, so I'm doing a lot more traveling again. I want to spend more time with my gorgeous wife. Um, and, uh, um, and so, you know, it's not about money for me anymore. I, I get so much satisfaction from seeing my students succeed. You know, when I was at my boot camp this weekend, I read some of the people that had purchased units in the last eight weeks. I was just blown away. It was thousands of units that wow. had been purchased over an eight week period because I, I was out of the loop for eight weeks. I was letting my students, successful students teach. So I hadn't been teaching. And I was like, holy cow, you guys are just killing it. And so, you know, and, and I will say one other thing, you know, um, I'll leave you with this, honestly. This is a good place to end this. You know, back when I lived in Denver, I knew I always wanted to live on the beach. Okay. And of course, there's no beach in Denver. So for 20 years, I would visualize a house on the beach. 20 years later, I built this 10,000 square foot, $8 million mansion on the beach. I owned the beach on one side and then my boats on the backside. It was called a Gulf to Bay. It was like a slice through an island, which was unthinkable when I was, you know, 18, but I made it happen because I visualized it. Two months after I moved in. So I worked for this thing for 20 years. Two months after I moved in, I'm floating in the pool at night and I'm looking up at this testament to my ego, which is really what it was. You know, I, I had, to, had to prove to the world I was good enough. That's the truth of it. Mm. Um, and I got depressed. And again, this is after two months. I'd worked for this thing for 20 years. And I'm like, what the heck's going on? Well, first of all, you don't achieve a big goal without having other goals lined up behind it. You know, like the good book says, without a vision, the people perish. You need mm. a vision for the future. And I didn't know what I was going to do next. And the other thing is it's never about the goals. You know, they say the happiest days of a boat owner's life are the day they buy the boat and the day they sell the <laughs> boat, you know, but you need the goals to have that burning desire. So you push through fear, right? But the big thing was I had been totally focused on me, you know, prove to the world I matter, that I'm good enough. And, you know, that was the year I saw Tony Robbins, thank God, because I, I, I had to do something. So I went and saw Tony and I saw that he fed families for the holidays. And I was like, what a concept, do something for someone else. And I'm yeah. embarrassed this I had to be 40 to get that memo. This is 20, 23 years ago. And so I went home, I called my brother and I said, let's feed five families, bro, because I was going to Denver for Thanksgiving. And so he called his church and found five families that really needed help. And the third family was life changing for me. It was this woman with kids that she comes out, five kids, a Hispanic woman, and she sees all the food and the frozen turkey and the toys for her kids. And she starts crying. Mm. Her kids come out. They start crying. I start crying. And I'm hooked and I'm blessed to say now in the last 23 years, we've fed 130,000 children here in Sarasota and Bradenton. Just literally yesterday, I donated, I think, 600 teddy bears to a local police department for their officers to keep in their vehicles. This was literally yesterday. You can see it on my social. uh, uh, And and we've done tens of thousands of those to local police departments for officers to keep in their vehicles and they encounter a child that's been traumatized. We've done tens of thousands Mm -hmm. of backpacks filled with school supplies. We did 1800 in August this last year to kids that don't have the basic supplies for school. And this is not me bragging. There's a message here. You know, we've been taught as human beings, or really men specifically, but, but even as humans, that we have to achieve to be happy. Like we shouldn't be happy until we've achieved. Now, this is a play on words, but if you're giving back, you're happily achieving, okay? And I know, again, it's a play on words, but it's an important one. Yeah. You know, um Tony Robbins calls it the science of achievement versus the art of fulfillment. Achievement's a science. If you want to learn multifamily, get your butt to my boot camp. I'll give you the the map, the blueprint. You just gotta go do it. Okay. That's a science. But fulfillment's an art. You've got to figure out what juices you. For me, it's kids. Maybe for you it's animals or the elderly and the environment. But give back right now. Don't wait. Why? First of all, the success and the money will come faster. You don't do it for that reason, but you'll be fulfilled, you'll be happy. And uh and Fantastic. Uh, that's what life's about. Well so. man,
0: you Rod, thank you for you're the genuine article. I can tell thank you're you, on a journey toward, you know, an even greater expression of who you are, who Rod thank is, you. who you've been created to be. Dennis Waitley is a quote he says, "Happiness cannot be traveled to, owned, earn, earned, worn or consumed." Happiness, he says, is the spiritual experience of living every minute with love, grace, and gratitude. And I can see that in you. So thank, thank you. you for the service that you're giving to many thank you. Uh, real thank estate you. I investors appreciate it. and business owners. So once again, that website is, say it again one more time, please.
1: Well, Rod's, Rod's Links is the best place to go because that's, my, that's got my main website. It's got, the, it's got everything. So Rod's Links, or just text the word links to 72345. And if you've got a question about anything, I, I answer every question on social media. So just DM me and I'll hook you up. Thanks again, awesome. Mark. I yeah, appreciate thank you, you,
0: brother. Thanks for coming on and being a part thank of this revolution. Well, thank you again, Rod, for an incredible interview. I appreciate your honesty, your emotional acumen, and your capacity to show resilience in the face of difficulty. You know, when the world throws you a slider, a curveball, and a punch in the gut all at the same time, I don't know what you'd do, but I appreciate what Rod has given us in terms of skill set, mindset, and strategies for how to deal with the good and the bad and how to get back up again. So Rod, I appreciate your insights and I wanna thank everyone for listening to this week's episode. I hope you've enjoyed this three-part mini series on the real estate investing strategies coupled with bank on yourself. I hope it's been insightful for you. We're gonna get back to some other content going forward, but before we do that, take a moment. Who needs to hear the last two or three episodes? Who do you think would benefit from hearing one of these bank on yourself design strategies for real estate investing? Is it a family member, a friend, possibly a colleague at work? Uh, I've found over the years that the very best way to share this information is to literally hit the share button in your podcast player. However you're listening to this right now, there's likely a a button that allows you to share this episode with friends, family, or colleagues. Do that now while it's fresh on your mind, and I'd greatly appreciate it. If you send me a picture of you sharing your episode with a friend or colleague, I'll be sure to send you a thank you gift, a gift from me to you for the benefit of sharing the, the best information in the financial universe with your friends, family, colleagues, clients, and so forth. So what's to lose, right? Everyone wins in that case. So do send this episode and the previous two episodes off to your real estate buddies, and I'd be honored to sit down and chat with you and with them about what these policies could do for you and your circumstance. So that's it for this week's episode. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think and live differently with your money, your $50 million, and your future.